Welcome, welcome. You're joining the Session Conversation NFL Podcast, The Vegas Scoop, Episode 4. I am OG Flower, joined once again by The Lip Service and AJ Scoop. How's it going, fellas? Going good. Happy to be back for another week. Doing good. Ready to give more winners for you. Exactly. I like that. Uh, all right. How did Week 7 turn out for us? 3-2 and two for me. Positive week. Um, New England, Minnesota Giants were the three winners. Um, Giants was a fun backdoor cover to close out the week and set up some momentum here for Week 8. Went 3-1-1 one, and one on the week. Uh, my loser was the Chargers in the early game with... Uh, in London with the Titans. I was laying six and a half there. They were up seven. Gave the ball back with a little over three minutes to go. Tennessee went all the way down the field. Came down to a fourth down that they did score on. That uh, ruined my uh, my contest pick there. They uh, they didn't get the two-point conversion. The Chargers won the game, so I was 0-1. Um, I had Tampa Bay, minus three. Very strong play for me last week. Um, they were up 14 in that game and crumbled. Um, they were lucky, actually, to win the game by three with a long uh, field going overtime. Um, I did lay two and a half on the opening number, so I did cash the window there. And then I had New England minus three. Uh, injury news with Gronk came out late, which uh, wasn't good for the contest, but it didn't matter. Um, got away with a win there on a Hail Mary that uh, was tackled at the one, so I went to one, one, and one. Minnesota minus three was a late ad for me. Two minute injuries for the Jets, so I went to two, one, and one. And along with you, Scoop, I had the Giants plus five and a half that I added because Washington had so many injuries that I wanted to use, and we got away with that to go 3-1-1, move to 22-10-3 on the season, move up to 49th in the money, and I uh, want to keep it rolling. Yeah, I'm at 16-17. and 17. Uh, Week 8 will be my opportunity to get back uh, above 500. All right, nice. Let's keep the momentum going as we jump into Week 8. First up, we have Andrew Luck and the Colts traveling to the Black Hole. Let's take on Derek Carr and the Raiders. Indy's a three-point road chalk here. How are we feeling, Scoop? I'm feeling good about Indy. I think this is a, a team you got to look at their record and kind of evaluate it a little bit. They're a two-and-five team, and uh, they easily could be five-and-two. You look at some of these close losses they had, Cincinnati, um, Houston in overtime, and then the uh, Philly game could have gone either way. This is also a team that one and three against the spread in their last four, so kind of a buy-low situation. Um, don't expect too many people to get to the window to bet the Raiders here. I think we're going to get pretty fortunate to only lay three. I think this line could close four, four and a half. Um, overall, this is a game where I give Indy the edge, clear, clear edge at quarterback. Um, pretty solid edge at coach. Um, Marshawn Lynch, this is a guy that has been playing out of his mind this year. He's on IR. To the, uh, to the contrary, the Colts get that running back last week back. Marlon Mack looked explosive. Monster day in fantasy. With him back in the mix, um, that offensive line, you know, this is the first time in Andrew Luck's career that he's had an offensive line with this kind of talent. So you go with uh, the team that's, you know, better at key positions. Um, you, you sprinkle in the Cooper trade. You know, you don't really know how co- Oakland will react to that. There's a chance they rally around it and, you know, they come out with some energy. They are a team that just got – completely just punked in London before the bye week. So there's a chance that Oakland comes out with a little bit of energy, but sometimes handicapping is, uh, you know, it's easy, and you, you don't got to overthink things, and I think this is one of those games. So you like the Colts? I minus, do. Yeah, minus the three. The Colts are definitely going to be on my card here. Get on them, and get on them, uh, like you said, somewhat early. There has been some pullback 
where there's some minus threes, minus oh fives, and, and that such. Um, I laid minus one on this very early in the week and um, should have bet more because uh, we have two franchises here for the short term that are completely moving in different directions. Um, Andrew Luck is back to Pro Bowl material. He's playing outstanding, and he has a great relationship with uh, Frank Reich, which was a good hire coming in. Marlon Mack, as you mentioned, was uh, dominating on the ground uh, in the last game against it was Buffalo, but I think he had 140 or 50 yards. He was outstanding. T.Y. Hilton's back and healthy. Eric Ebron is playing with uh, confidence. Um, he's a little dinged up with the ankle and such just because they're using him so much in that regard, but uh, the offense is moving. Um, they're thinking well, um, and uh, they're playing with uh, confidence. Now, to the Raiders, as you mentioned, going into the bye week, a total disaster uh, against Seattle. Um, they looked awful. Um, they continuously have, uh, have gotten worse. They're unloading team uh, players. It looks like everybody's up for grabs these days. And um, I don't even know where their fan support is uh, these days as well. They're, they're going to be coming out to Las Vegas shortly. Um, so just from a, a home, you know, home field advantage, I don't see much here. Um, and it's, it's like you said earlier, you did make a good point. Sometimes handicapping is, early, or is easy. And the Colts are going to make this game on the road look somewhat easy. I expect them to win by double digits, to be in control early in the third. And uh, anyone that's betting Oakland these days, I, I just don't understand it. So um, get to the window, get the Colts minus three, and uh, play the game. All right, and uh, Indiana's got, got number 14 defense here. Uh, Darius Leonard being back on the field, what type of impact does he have? Yeah, Darius Leonard, second-round pick from South Carolina State guy that just plays with a chip on his shoulder. Um, he missed a couple games, missed the New England game. And you know this defense without him, it's just a different unit. Um, this guy's had a couple games where he's flirted with 20 tackles. If you haven't watched this guy play yet, um, keep your eye on him. He's special. He gives this uh, indie defense something they haven't had for a while. now. And, and also, you know Malik Hooker, first-round pick, he was injured all of last year. So this indie defense, you know, Top 15 in the NFL right now, so kind of sneaky, uh, you know, playing with some intensity. You can tell they're a well-coached team by the way they tackle, their discipline, um, and I think that's complete opposite with Oakland. You know, they were bottom five defense last year with Khalil Mack, and this year it's no different. Um, really struggle against the pass and the run, and with this fire sale going on, um, this this Oakland team, you know, we, we, we might see this thing get real ugly. Yeah, the only thing is uh, with back in the Colts, which I am obviously, uh, the one thing that I am a little bit leery of, not leery, but I guess I would say that I'm a little bit nervous about is Martavius Bryant. Guy has a lot of talent. Um, you know, he's thrown himself underneath the bus more times than anybody can count. And um, he does have the ability to, uh, to open up a football game, at least a half, make some plays. So if I'm the Colts, I'm making sure that um, I'm aware of where he is on the field the entire time. Yeah, I think that about does it. Colts minus three. Yeah, let's take them. All right, nice. Next up, we have Tampa Bay Bucks heading to the Queen City, take on the Bengals in the jungle, since he's favored by four and a half. How are we feeling, Lil? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I took plus six early in the week. Um, you did too as well, Scoop, which was a good move. Um, I do like that six number better than I do the four and a half. Cincinnati's defense right now is not playing well. 
and Tampa Bay has shown that they can move the ball. The problem with Tampa Bay lately has been the fact that they just can't protect the ball, and I'm a little disappointed with Jameis lately. I was uh, bullish on him dominating um, last week's matchup at the quarterback position, and he played well enough at certain points to do that, but he's just, you know, they're making mistakes when they shouldn't be making mistakes. Cincinnati has proven throughout the season that they can score points. They laid a huge egg in Kansas City last week, but um, Kansas City's doing that to teams. Um, I do think it's important for Cincinnati uh, to get back Giovanni Bernard. Um, they miss a little of his uh, versatility coming out of the backfield. Um, there, are, there has been some injuries on both sides, again, for the defenses. We already know what Tan, uh, Tampa Bay's defense is, which is continually just nonsense. Um, that being said, this is going to be very close to getting on my card. I'm not sure if it will or will not. Will not. It will be Tampa Bay if I play it, but that's where I stand so far on it. Yeah, this one's interesting to me. You got one team coming off of a primetime uh, embarrassment. Um, you got another team coming off of a momentum starting 59-yard overtime field goal. So from a energy standpoint, and this is a game where I think the first quarter is very critical. Jameis Winston, guy that's had a history of starting slow. We saw at Florida State many times. And with his defense today, um, they're just so depleted that if he puts himself in a hole early, they're not good enough to come play from behind. So Jameis must come out, be focused, locked in early. This is a Florida team coming up to the north against a Cincinnati team that is in kind of a make-or-break situation. There's just a couple of scary variables. But when you look at this spread, you look at this number, there's just value in the dog. This is a game that I think should be more around two and a half or three. I think it, you could make the argument it's really a you know, minus one type of pick em game. This, this Cincinnati defense, you know, they got a linebacker named Nick Vigil, not a household name. Not many guys even know who he is. Well, through six weeks, he led the NFL in tackles for loss. He's their best cover linebacker. Burfitt has not been the same guy since he came back from suspension. He's banged up. Dark has Denards in, uh doubtful for this game. This Cincinnati defense, bottom five against the pass, just not playing very well. That Pittsburgh game, they led 21-20 and gave up that late touchdown to Pittsburgh, but that, that, that scoreboard was not indicative of actually what happened on the field. That, that game was a complete mismatch in yards per play. Pittsburgh was 2.5 yards more than Cincinnati in that game. And I think when you look at Cincinnati, um, you know, they're not built to blow teams out. You know, they're, they're mentally fragile. They lack a leader. They're their quarterback and their head coach. I, I put from an intangible standpoint, bottom three in the NFL. And when you have a team that's reeling, that's when leadership really comes into play. Last year we saw a similar situation when they were playing Chicago uh, late in the season. And, you know, when, when a team's reeling, you know, you got to have that guy in the locker room that people respect. A.J. Green, not much of a vocal guy. No one really respects Dalton. And, and Marvin is, is more of a puppet than anything. Yeah, I look at um, John Ross being off the field. He was an early draft pick last year, and um, he's been injured. So, I mean, the production's not there. He may be the fastest player in the NFL, even faster than Tyreek Hill. But when he's not on the field, he's not practicing again this week, and he will not play. Um, it takes away a lot of ability to stretch the field. And, and Cincinnati offensively right now is struggling. And going back to what you mentioned about Andy Dalton, there are certain quarterbacks later in the season they get better. He gets worse. He doesn't play very well in you know conditions, wind, rain, those types of things. He has smaller hands along those lines. So 
what you said earlier, and we went back last week, we were talking quite a bit about Tampa Bay running the football. They can't run the football, but Jameis Winston now as the starting quarterback had 70 yards on the ground last week. So he can pick up enough first downs in this game, in my mind, to move the chains, never to let the game get out of control. I do disagree with you slightly if Cincinnati gets off to a big lead, 10-0, 14-0. I never think that the, the cover is going to be out of the way for Tampa Bay because I just don't see Cincinnati as anything but slightly blown average average team these days and to be laying four and a half points in this football game just seems like too many to me yeah Bengals tight end uh, Tyler Eifert was carted off the field in Cincinnati's 37-36 victory over the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday um oh that was earlier in the season yeah another guy early Sundays but he's got a gruesome leg injury how does that affect uh the Bengals they're looking for a leader is he considered one of their leaders yeah no tough injury tough for me to see guy that uh friends with my brother both played at Notre Dame together and when you look at Eifert you know this guy you know he's going to be in a contract year again after this year and you know if I'm his agent I'm talking to teams and saying just it's very simple look at the production offensively when he's on the field versus when he's off because this guy's efficient he's a game changer um, athleticism hands contested catch radius blocking even this season this, this guy's a difference maker and you can see it when he's not on the field A.J. Green sees more double teams, and this offense is just a lot easier to guard when he's not out there. Yeah, and that, and also Boyd was excellent for a while. They've got film on him. They're figuring him out a little bit more, too. 100%. And to go off the tight end thing, I think this is a, a game where O.J. Howard, I mean, by the way, you just look at this guy on, on film, on tape. I mean, his body, th- this dude's one Match of the most... Up nightmare. He's one of the most impressive-looking athletes in the entire league. He dropped a huge just, ball last, last yeah, week. Yeah, hands aren't, aren't the greatest, but just his physicality and, uh, you know, him yeah, with... Take it 80 yards. Him with Brait, um, you know, O.J. Howard special. And with Winston, you know, this is another game where Chris Godwin, you know, this guy on most teams is the number one receiver, and he's an afterthought on this team. You got Humphreys in the slot, Deshaun Jackson, Mike Evans. I mean, weaponry, depth... Tampa Bay's in the running for, you know, the deepest weaponry in the NFL. And when you're going up against a pass defense like Cincy that's struggling the way they are, um, and you're getting more than four, sign me up. Yeah, I like that. Nice. Next up, we have the Seattle Seahawks coming off their bye week, heading to the Motor City to take on Matt Stafford and the Lions. Detroit is a field uh, field goal favorite here. How are we feeling? You know, Detroit, um, this is a game where uh, – when you look at it, you just say, how is Seattle without Earl Thomas going to stop this offense? And this Detroit offense is getting some traction. Last two games against Green Bay and Miami, averaging just over 31 points. Finally have a running game. Kerryon Johnson, guy from Auburn. I've been high on him since the draft. Love this kid. Gives this offense something they haven't had for 15, 20 years. Matt Stafford's playing with a running back. He's playing with an offensive line that he's never had. And, you know, he's faced off against Pete Carroll's defense here a couple times, and it hasn't ended well for him. Less than 14 points both times. One of them was a playoff game where he was playing with an injured hand. And I think Stafford comes out in this game and he goes, you know you know what, guys? I now have a running game. I now have an offensive line. And you no longer have the Legion of Boom. This is a game where you take the names off of the front of the jerseys and you just look at the talent on the field. And this line should be more like four and a half to six. Seattle, you know, they're a team that has Russell Wilson, who at certain times, you know, is one of the more dangerous guys in the entire league. And when 
the play action, you know, and I'll tell you, there was a midweek trade. Snacks Harrison from the Giants, one of the best run defenders in the league, comes over. Him in the mix with this Detroit team that's playing bend but don't break style that Patricia's bringing over from New England, they're a top 10 red zone defense, and that's going to matter because right now Seattle's number one in red zone offense. If this Detroit defense continues to play sound football in the areas of the field that it counts, with Snacks Harrison kind of limiting some of that, you know, deficiencies in the run defense, I think Detroit could, uh, you know, get off to a nice start here. This is hands down my number one play of the week, Detroit minus three. This is such a mismatch. It's absolutely crazy to me. Detroit's three and three on the year. They are way above average. They have, as you mentioned, weapons galore. The last time they played down in Miami, they had a tight end that scored two touchdowns. Nobody even mentions that you know, he's starting to get into the mix. And people better get real quick understanding that Matt Patricia already is one of the best coaches in football. This guy, underneath Belichick, he's, he's basically a genius from an IQ standpoint. So when you're talking about, you know, mixing and matching teams that you're not familiar with, putting players in position, um, bringing a culture to Detroit, as you mentioned, uh, on Johnson with I don't even know how many rushing yards he had last week, 150 or something ridiculous. They hadn't run for 100 yards in 80 straight games till this guy comes along. And uh, Ziggy Anze is going to be, uh, he's going to be uh, practicing this week. Can you imagine him off the uh, getting, you know, pressure on the quarterback, bringing in, as you, you mentioned, snacks? Um, Seattle, I just don't think that they're that good. I mean, they've always been traditionally, you know, good at home. They have a, a, a home crowd that, that generates a lot of uh, adrenaline for them. And they simply just don't have the weapons. Yes, they have Doug Baldwin, who's finally gotten back to be 100%. Um, but as you mentioned before, listen, Earl Thomas is, you know, they're trying to move forward without this guy. They also had Kendricks that uh, had all the uh, insider trading, you know, uh, stuff that they brought over. They, they let him go. They have too many pieces on defense that are struggling. Detroit is a mismatch at every single possession on offense. I just, I love this team and cannot believe they're not getting the credit they should be. Yeah, Detroit real quietly covered five straight weeks. Not typically something I love to do back in teams that have covered five in a row. But the media hasn't really gotten a hold of this. It's almost like no one is aware of what Detroit is. Real under-the-radar team. Part of it's their, their win-loss record. But to me, we're at the point in the season where you've got to identify situations where the schedule has been deceiving. And that's the case with Seattle. Real cupcake schedule so far. They face Prescott, Rosen, Trubisky, and Carr. You know, not murders row. Held the, all those teams to, uh, you know, not many points, which is why they're fourth in defensive efficiency at this point. But when they face Case Keenum, who played one of his worst games in the last two years, three interceptions, and Denver still scored 27 on this team. The Rams scored 33, and it should have been more like 45. Opening possession, they get down to the one-yard line, throw an interception. It really changed the whole complexion of that game. But yet the Rams even without two of their starting receivers, just up and down the field. Every single play, the receivers are wide open. Seattle coming off their bye week, big win, you know, blow out the Raiders, 14 days, feeling good about themselves. I think this spot really favors Detroit, a team that's just starting to get some momentum offensively. You know, sometimes the bye week is a good thing for a team. Sometimes it's a bad week for bad thing for a team. And I think with Seattle, they had momentum, and I think the bye week killed it. Listen to me here. Detroit went into Miami last week and dominated them. 
Okay, I mean they went in and dominated them. And Brock every, played okay. Yeah, it, you know, that's what I'm saying. People don't understand how good this Detroit team is. That's that's what I'm coming back to. You you mentioned all the, Def- the defensively they're 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 still not very talented, but Snacks will really change the yeah, run defense. Gonna, if you in today's NFL, if you play good red zone defense and you can move the ball offensively, you see see with Kansas City, those are the two things you got to do: stop teams from scoring seven and move the ball. Absolutely, and Detroit is proven that now they're a serious contender in their division. It's going to be between them and Minnesota, in my mind, there's no question. Yeah, and because Minnesota's schedule is so much more difficult than Detroit, they're alive. And, and the, the funny thing about this game is is why it's still staying at three. You know, all the analytic and metrics and all these kinds of stuff are coming out. I, you know, I talk to experts all the time and certainly, you know, value their opinion, but all the metrics are coming out on Seattle this week. Well, that's fantastic for me because I'm going to be all over Detroit. Because as you mentioned before, they have the ability to go up and down the field at any time. As I mentioned, they're very well coached. And I just don't see weaknesses in this team. If you go and look at Matthew Stafford the last few years, there's close to a half a dozen plays a game that that people just shake their heads. He's not making those anymore. Yeah, and, and, and you know, as far as trends and things like that, Detroit hasn't turned a ball over in 13 quarters. If they continue to... They couldn't do that in 13 minutes before this whole uh, regime came in. Yeah, no. And and I'm a little nervous of the variance because sometimes turnovers are just bad luck. I'm hoping we, you know... I'm hoping that it's not till next week that the turnovers start to happen when they have to go to to Minnesota. But if they don't turn the ball over again, Seattle's going to have a tough time stopping them. Yeah, it's a good point. Very good point. Um, Let's see. Next up, we have the Cleveland Browns, fresh off their fourth overtime game in seven weeks. Heading to Heinz Field to take on the Steelers. Pittsburgh is an eight-point chalk here. Uh, Scoop, how we feeling? Yeah, no. Fourth overtime, seven games. I think that's a big deal. I saw last week uh, in the first half, this Cleveland team, they just looked tired. And, you know, football is a game that's all about energy and effort. And when you're going up against a team like Pittsburgh who's coming out of their bye week, ready to send a message to the AFC North that this is still their division, they're finally healthy. They get back some key guys. A lot of guys that were banged up are now 100% again. Vance McDonald, Juju, and, and A.B. You know, James Conner, I, I know you're not high on him, but this guy's been productive. He, he's putting up numbers consistently. And to me, this is all about the spot. And then you combine one key matchup. This Cleveland team, last offseason, spent a lot of money in free agency, and they had a solid offensive line. And a big part of that was the best, maybe best left tackle in the history of the game, Joe Thomas. He retired, and they just simply haven't found somebody to play left tackle. Still haven't. And you combine that with J.C. Treader center, who might be out in this game, to go with a couple other guys that are banged up on that O-line. Cleveland has somehow overpassed the Houston Texans as the worst offensive line in pass protection, which is very, very hard to do because Houston sets the bar very low. Pittsburgh defensively for two seasons now very quietly been a just a great pass rush team last year was number one in the nfl in sacks even more than jacksonville they share their top four in adjusted sack rate top two in sacks and this this pittsburgh team at home playing against a team that they were real 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 lifeless against in the opening week i don't think we get a lifeless pittsburgh team at all um like i mentioned a couple times i have good feel for pittsburgh and it's all about energy and effort for this team. When, when they're focused, they can beat anybody in the NFL. They get a little too cocky sometimes, but when you're playing against a team that you already came out 
and didn't play well against at home, out of the bye week, division for the taking. I think we get a real, real good effort from Pittsburgh. I got 34-17 Steelers. I will say that you have had a really good feel on Pittsburgh this year, and you've had a really bad feel on Cleveland this year. So that being said, maybe the Pittsburgh will come into fruition for you and you'll go to the window. But I'm going to stay off this game. Um, I have teased it the early number. It opened at uh, eight, or excuse me, seven. I teased that down to one. So I, I have Pittsburgh in teasers early, and I'm going to leave it at that. Um, Cleveland did play them somewhat solid in week one. Um, but this is, uh, this is where Cleveland, I'm, I'm a little worried from an energy standpoint in this game for them to be able to compete for 60 minutes. Um, they have been in some barn burners. They've been in some physical games with Baltimore, mental games for a young team that um, is trying to figure themselves out. It may be a lot to overcome. And if you do say that Pittsburgh's going to come out early and with, uh, you know, try and throw the kitchen sink at them, it might be too much for Cleveland to overcome. Again, in handicapping this game, the reason I would never take Cleveland is they don't have any weapons. We go through this every single week. Njoku, who you like, is banged up this week. He'll probably go. He won't be 100 Higgins, again, did not practice um, late on Thursday, so he won't be going. Um, they did take, uh, obviously, Carlos Tri or Hyde last week. They traded him for another option out of the backfield, which may be better to get Duke Johnson involved. But Pittsburgh here is coming off of a bye, and you mentioned it. They're very healthy. And Ben, along with the weapons that he has on the outside, um, the offensive line to me is, you know, slightly underrated Pittsburgh. I think that they play a little bit better at home. They feel a little more comfortable, and I do agree with you that Connor should get involved here. The number seems a little bit high for me to be laying, but I do think that you're on the right side. If, if Najoku was 100%, I'd be a little bit more fearful of some backdoor stuff, but if, you know, if he's not, you know, if they're down In 14, Mayfield, I watched him last week. You know, he's, he's not injured, yeah. but he doesn't look no, like he has a He doesn't a look right in, in just it's a long like, season in, in the NFL in, for these guys. In the NFL, we're constantly judging quarterbacks, and we don't put enough, you know, credence into the, the situation around them. And when you're, having, when you're a rookie quarterback and you have the worst offensive line and pass protection in the league and you trade your number one receiver um, – that's a bad, bad recipe. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, if Pittsburgh takes care of the football in this game, I agree with you. It could get slightly out of hand if, you know, they try and get, you know. Yeah. No, when, when you're a team and you're, and you're reeling as far as emotionally and with energy and you're down 14, 17 points after fighting back the yeah, previous Cleveland week, gets down 14 I, in yeah, this game. No, it won't be like right. Tampa last week. No, They're not at, coming at a, back. At a certain point, you just break. I think Cleveland breaks this week. I think you might be right. All right, moving on. Next up, we have the Baltimore Ravens heading to the, uh, Carolina to take on Cam Newton and the Panthers. Flacco and the Ravens are a two-point road favorite here. Lip, what you think? How are we feeling? Well, <clears throat> this to me is a head-scratcher. I still can't figure out why they have you said Baltimore is favorite by two. Why is Carolina not favorite in this game? Carolina has been solid. They've, they were down 17 points against a desperate Eagles team to get back into the mix, and they fought all the way back in the fourth quarter to score three touchdowns in that game and win the game. They, they showed hard against New Orleans, in New Orleans almost coming back. Carolina, to me, is a solid football team. They played, you know, they almost came back in the Redskins game the, the previous week to that. They're not going to flash you with, you know, these superstar wide receivers and, and all these types of things that, you know, that are divas. But, you know, Cam Newton is an underrated player in this league. I mean, he's a respected leader. 
The defense has hands down the best linebacker in pro football in Luke Keekley. You want to talk about a leader on defense? This guy is an absolute machine when healthy. And guess who's healthy? Keekley. Baltimore's proven they cannot be the same team on the road that they are at home. They can run the ball effectively. They can make plays at home. They can get their fans involved in the game. They normally have Justin Tucker. I don't know what his confidence level is after last week. And Carolina is just solid. I mean, what are they, 5-2 and two now? Carolina's 5-2? and two? It's a quiet 5-2 and two in the NFL. And they're at home against a team that is not explosive laying points. It doesn't make any sense to me. Carolina, to me, is an absolute 100% teaser play. You put Carolina in teasers this week. And if you want to play them straight, do that as well. But they'll be showing up on my card this week because they shouldn't be an underdog in this game. You know, you've made a point to me recently um, with Mahomes being the best player in, in the league. And, you know, I'm still Regular great. season right yeah, now, no, he has the most value. I, I can see that. And I think the point I'm going to make here is the NFL is becoming more and more like flag football. Well, let's just ask a simple question. If you were going to have a, a flag football league and you took all the quarterbacks in the NFL and you ranked them 1-32 to 32 in the draft, are Patrick Mahomes and Cam Newton the top two picks? Well, Cam Newton, to me, probably would not be. Well, I'm, you know, from a, from a flag football perspective, which is all about scrambling, throwing on the run, just being a great athlete. Well, he you is know? a great athlete. He's so, so that's where I think for today's game, where it's at, Cam Newton, you know, let's not forget two years ago, he was by, considered by many the best player in the league. MVP took his team to the Super Bowl. Um, has the best weapons he's had in his entire career. And I'm all about the spot. You know me. Mm-hmm. Baltimore coming off a demoralizing loss. Yeah. Carolina coming off a 21-point fourth-quarter comeback. Yep. Down 17. Yep. On the road. Right. I mean, who's coming in this game with more energy? Yeah, Baltimore it, looks a little tired. Yeah, no, it – Baltimore plays three road games in a row. Then yep. they come home for a battle, a playoff-type battle against New Orleans. Mm-hmm. You fight all the way back. You tie it up, but you don't because Tucker, the wind, just takes his kick a little bit to the right. Yep. Wasn't too happy about that. I was on Baltimore's money line. I was on Baltimore last week. Um, you know, you blow a fourth-quarter lead, something that they had done the previous couple seasons under Dean Pease this year, coming into last week, hadn't give up a single touchdown in the second half. Well, that quickly changed. You know, Drew Brees, you know, for the flag football discussion, he's another one in there where, you know, for where the league is today, he's becoming more valuable. But to me, one key variable is both these defenses have gotten key guys back that were suspended, Thomas Davis for Carolina, Jimmy Smith for Baltimore. Um, In a matchup like this, you can make the argument that, you know, Thomas Davis equally as valuable, you know, with with today's NFL, the corner position is top three in value on the field. And this Baltimore team, you know, top six against the pass. And Carolina's 26th against the pass. So if there's going to be one variable that would make you a little nervous on Carolina, it's the fact that they struggle to defend the pass. Now, can Joe Flacco and those weapons that have been very uh, inconsistent so far, Willie Sneed, Michael Crabtree, not playing very good football. Outside of John Brown, not much to work with. The tight ends aren't playing very well. You know, you can't really run on Carolina, especially on the road. So Flacco's going to have to be great in this game to win. I don't know if we get a great version for Flacco. I definitely lean Carolina. I think there's value in the number. I think people are, are having issues with Carolina because their power ratings are, are just a little off because of the preseason. And, you know, this Carolina offensive line that's so banged up, the backups are performing well. 
and, and Cam's the type of quarterback that can, you know, cover up some, some deficiencies in the offensive line. But to me, this game's all about the spot. I think Baltimore's starting to wear down a little bit. They need their bye week to get here ASAP. And uh, Carolina, on the other hand, they're feeling good, feeling great at home. Carolina in a low-scoring uh, – or not low-scoring. Carolina in a relatively high-scoring game. I think it goes over the total, by the way. I'm, I'm leaning to the over in this game. But I think Carolina's the right side. Yeah, I look at this game, too. Um, ever since they've uh, instituted the uh, two-point conversion – you sports bettors out there, and you sharp ones in particular, need to understand that the zero through three number, there's a lot of value. And in this game, I could see value. I mean, you're giving me two points at home. I mean, it could easily be a back and forth kind of game at the end where, you know, it's a field goal to win or lose, no overtime involved, and I'm still getting two points. So I, I, I still can't understand that. And going back to Carolina, okay, last week, all right, they get back probably arguably the most important player in their franchise the last decade or so outside of Cam Newton in Greg Olson. He's been feeling better. He's been feeling, you know, he's playing with pain. There's no question he's going to play with pain the rest of the season. He's going to have surgery off that he's a tough guy. Nobody's tougher in the league at this tight end position than Greg Olson. He scores a game-winning touchdown. Now, nobody's happier on the planet than Cam Newton for him. And going back to Cam Newton, I thought early in his career, as talented and as good as he was, he was an immature player that made a lot of things about himself in the media and other things. That's not the case anymore. He's a teammate. He's a leader. He's a great quarterback. And I just think Carolina in this spot, as you would say, is the play. I'm on Carolina. Uh, I got a couple questions to ask you here, Lip. Um, Carolina 26th. In passing offense, both of these teams, though, are top 10 in defense as far as defensive against the rush, defense against the pass. But Carolina, you know, just stood out to me on this on this chart here. Mm-hmm. 26 in, all, in passing offense. You said that, you know, they're not going to blow you away with the wide receiver game. No, but with that defense uh, in Baltimore and I don't know, how's that, how, how, what do you feel well, about that? Well, I feel, like, the reason, I feel like some of the reason this year that Carolina's down in the passing game is that McCaffrey hasn't been in, as, as involved catching the ball out of the backfield. And I do expect him to get more involved this week against a team that doesn't know him as well. Um, going back to your, you know, originally about them being ranked that low in, in the, the category of passing, I don't think they're going to be anything above average all year. I think they play physical, team type of thing. Cam does a lot on the ground. They, you know, sometimes will bring in C.J. Anderson. But they need to be a ball control type of offense where I don't think they want to leave their defense susceptible to shootouts and stuff like that. They keep it a little closer to the vest, so I think that's why the numbers are down slightly for them. And even if they tried to open it up, I don't think they would be as good as they are keeping it close to the vest. So I think that they have the formula right now, you know, to play possessions. We've already seen... What was it, a 63-yard field goal at the game? You know, sometimes special teams comes involved. So, you know, they beat you in various ways. You know, they have a coaching staff that's been around for, you know, for a period of time. And I just like the direction they're going. All right, man, cool. Next up, we have the Denver Bron... No, no, no. Okay, yeah, we're going to switch that up. We're not going to cover that game. Washington heads to the Meadowlands to take on Eli and the Giants. This game is a pick em. How we feeling, Lil? Um... Well, I was happy with the Giants last week, you know, trying to sneak it in from the one-yard line with a minute and a half to go to blow the game to give me the cover. So, you know, as much as I like the Giants here, this week's going to be a nightmare. They lose two defense, two good defensive starters in uh, Eli Apple. They lose uh, Snacks to Detroit. 
and the direction of this team is headed nowhere quickly. Anyone that you want to come in and uh, and go after, and that includes Odell Beckham, if you're the 49ers, might be a good move, is potential. And no player in football this early in the season wants to know that their season is over and the Giants' season is over. Washington, to me, is... Um, is a complete team. I think that uh, Jay Gruden has uh, really come along as a coach. Um, I think that, you know, he's not the type of player that has to have a superstar quarterback and a number one option. You know, he's, he's proven that he can mix things in with injuries. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I thought last week they were outstanding against Dallas, doing exactly what I thought they would with uh, Josh Norman playing well, shutting down the side of the field. I think they do have um, that. There is a lot of history between Beckham and um, – Josh Norman, I don't think Josh Norman will be involved with that this week. Odell can do whatever he wants. That's fine. Uh, Saquon Barkley is a great football player, but I've been saying it ever since the draft that he is the exact opposite of Russell Westbrook in the NBA. Russell Westbrook in the NBA can go out all night, not sleep, and play 48 minutes and never get tired. Saquon Barkley is the exact opposite great football player as soon as he wears down we need six oxygens over there we need people holding up his arms and he gets tired quickly and he takes time to get back to 100 percent well in the nfl when you get destroyed on a play guess what you need to do the next play get your ass up and do it again because that's what the national football league is you don't have time to sit around and have a tea party and the giants in every aspect of the game are struggling now, the Giants on Monday night against Atlanta defensively played very well in that game. They should have won the game outright. You were saying last week, Scoop, that it should have been a pick 'em, and by the way their defense played, it easily could have been. But they were down double digits and got a backdoor cover in order to cover. I just don't see that. I don't see the fight in the Giants moving forward. And as for Eli, and he threw for 399 yards against a terrible Atlanta defense, well, guess what? He's going outside again in elements. And he's not going to sit back there for an extra split second or, you know, move his way in the pocket and make a tough throw and take it, absorb a hit. That's not going to happen anymore. It's throw it away or over their head or into the dirt and get on to the next play. He's not going to give everything that he has at this point, and I don't blame him. Now, Washington, on the other hand, is a team that is definitely going to be reckoning with in the NFC East. As you mentioned, uh, Flowers, they do have a good defense. They do have multiple options at the tight end position. I would like to see Chris Thompson come back healthy in this game. They need him just from, uh, you know, out of the backfield. Bibbs played good and scored last week, but I want Thompson back in there. The wide receivers, they've mixed in. Richardson probably will play. Crowder won't. And Josh Doxton was back that looked, uh, looked pretty solid as well. I trust Alex Smith in this game. Their defense, their kicking game is solid, and their coaching. I'm taking Washington. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head early in this game. This is about hope. Um, Washington off a huge win. Ball, you know, breaks go their way late to, to hold on against Dallas. Giants on the they other hand. They controlled that game against Dallas. Yeah, no, no question. But when, when you win with in no a, weapons, when you win in exhilarating fashion, like I touched on with Carolina, it carries over in the next week. It makes practice a little bit more fun. Um, you know, winning easily makes you a little complacent. Winning in exciting fashion makes you energized. And the Giants' season's over. Washington's fighting for that NFC wild card or the um, division win. And when, you know, honestly, this game's very, very similar to the Indy-Oakland game. Oakland's having a fire sale. Giants are having a fire sale, you know. And this is today's sports world. We've seen it in every sport now. If you're not a contender, 
and, and you just you trade players for future assets. General managers are becoming smarter and smarter. We're in this Twitter world where everyone's sharing sharp opinions. People are reading it, and people are adjusting their strategy. And when you have teams that are tanking by week seven or eight in the NFL, if you're a contrarian sports better like I've been, and it's you know been a lot of bad bets I've made in the last couple of years because of it, you have to adjust, and that's what I'm doing here because never in a million years would I be on Washington in this game with you um, a year or two ago because – you know, I think the opposite of how the public thinks. Why? Well, I just think this is a game where you look at the power rating numbers. Washington's about an average team. Giants are three points worse than an average team. You throw it into the, the equation and the lines to pick them. Well, I, I think when you, you, when you factor in the fact that the Giants season's over and the Redskins season has a lot of, you know, promising things to come, you have to adjust it. You know, the Giants might be five points worse than an average team. And, and Washington might be a point and a half better than an average team. Washington, the verdict's still out. Um, this game, we'll learn a little bit more about their offense because, you know, they, they, they weren't doing anything too special last week against Dallas, but that Dallas defense is much better than the Giants. And this Giants defense, they played with a lot of energy and effort Monday night. They played their best game of the season by far against Atlanta. You're coming on short week here. And now it's a short week. After you just traded your best run defender, your second best corner, maybe best yeah second best corner, um, I think we get a no show effort from this defense. I think Alex Smith goes out there and you know has confidence, gets out to another hot start like he's done every single the last three games at home. Fourteen nothing against Carolina, fourteen nothing against Green Bay, seven nothing last week against Dallas. You keep getting out to fast starts. And also, there's a real, real sneaky little intangible to this to this game, and that's the Josh Norman Odell Beckham matchup. These guys do not like each other, and if Norman is locked in, you know, gets inside ODB's head like we've seen many times before, um, he starts doing his act on the sidelines. This giant season could just it might fall apart someday. I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at some things, and not a lot of strong points for the Giants, but their strength, if they do have one, it looks like. They're pretty good in the passing offense, which is kind of a little bit surprising to me with all the headlines and the criticism Eli has been getting. But their defense is uh, pretty bad towards the bottom in almost every category. So Yeah, I mean, they have weapons on offense. There's mm-hmm. no question. Sterling Shepard is a very good player in this league. They're, uh, right, they're, they're bottom, bottom feeders with the rushing offense, but passing, they're, they're yeah, top, no, top No, they have, the, they have the ability, but they also have the ability to turn it over. What, you what's, know? what's huge with Washington is we saw last week, and, they, and this is something that they've – Done at home, very similar to Carolina. Their run defense last week shut down Zeke. If because we, they because Josh Norman took care of a side of the right. field, so Norman so they could they could focus no, more on the run. Norman on ODB, Barkley behind. I don't like that matchup for Washington personally. I, I wouldn't one on one him. Yeah, no. He's going to need help. Limit him to seven catches for seventy-five yards. Let him do his temper tantrum stuff. Right. It is what it is. But this giant offensive line's a mess. Barkley, you know, just like any running back in the NFL, you're as good as your offensive line is. Washington's run defense shows up again this week and, uh, you know, makes Eli beat you. And as we've seen, um, Eli Manning, when he's outside in inclement weather, which I haven't looked the weather report on this game, but Eli Manning, period, outside, um, the dude's just not very good. In the playoffs, he is. But let me go back to what you said earlier, Scoop, and you made a great point. This is the time of the season right here where you need to look to players on your team for leadership. Eli's a quiet leader. You know, he's past his prime. He's probably not a starter anymore in this league. Maybe, you know, Jacksonville would do slightly better with him. I don't know. But they don't have the leadership players to go to. No one's going to go to Odell Beckham 
you know, for leadership. No one's going to go to Saquon Barkley for And did you, did you see the looks on the, some of the facial expressions from Pat Shermer last week? Yes. Well, I mean, a lot of it, he, you know, he made some he, mistakes. He looks, like a, he looks like a frustrated man who's just in a situation. He's an outstanding coordinator. He's yeah. not a leader. I There's agree. a difference. Again, it goes back to my leadership. Which is why he failed the first time he was Which is why coach. Washington will be on my card. I concur. Yeah, I don't think he handled that, that press conference too uh, well when they were talking about OBJ. I, I kind of get what you're saying. Oh, the that. owner's all over it, too, not yeah. just the head coach. Yeah, coming yeah. from just the offensive side, being a coordinator, I'll feel you guys on that take. All right, uh, next up, uh, last actually, this last but not least, we've got the marquee matchup of the week, big game. New Orleans Saints will head to Minnesota, revenge on their minds to take on the Vikings on Sunday Night Football. This game is a true coin flip. How are we feeling, Lip? Scoop, you take this one first. Yeah, this one's interesting to me. Uh, I'll be tuned in, very excited to watch this game hoping that we get Minnesota up to one and a half so we can tease them for, for betting purposes. Don't think this will be on the Super Contest card, but it's too good of a game not to at least discuss. Um, New Orleans, glaring weakness was number two corner. GM goes out and gets Eli Apple. Another glaring weakness was backup quarterback. Goes out and gets Teddy Bridgewater. Um, pass rush last year with a couple injuries down the stretch kind of faded. So what's he do? He trades up in the first round, takes Marcus Davenport. My point is this. The New Orleans Saints are ready to win now. They're all in. This is Drew Brees' last ride. The roster is is it's why they're my pick at 18-1 to to win the Super Bowl. This is a complete roster now, especially with the Eli Apple edition because these flaws defensively that we were seeing, um, Marshawn Lattimore came out a little cocky, got beat early in the season, but since the, the rough start for him, he's shown exactly what he did last year. He's one of the best corners in the league. You're going to put him on Steph Diggs one-on-one, that's a – that's an amazing matchup right there. Watch, tune in for that one. As far as a variable here, you know, this team that New Orleans, you know, New Orleans last year, down big at halftime, come back in the second half, take the 24-23 lead for the Minnesota Miracle. And in that game, you know, we saw some situations where, you know, Drew Brees, when the money was on the line, came through. And, you know, Keenum made some plays, but Kirk Cousins is in a different class than Case Keenum is. And I think this is a game where, you know, you know, yes. So when, when, when you look at Kirk Cousins, this is, uh, you know, a guy that I think he has a lot to prove on Sunday night. He's got to prove that he's the difference maker to get him over the top. He might just do that Sunday night. This is, I think, a coin flip game. It's going to be must-see TV. I think it's a good teaser game with New Orleans plus seven and a half. Don't see many situations where they get blown out. Um, you know, the, the one weakness for Minnesota is their, their linebackers and coverage. We saw it with Gurley on that Thursday night game. And I think we're going to get a heavy, heavy dose of Alvin Kamara Sunday night. Saints, you know, they're my lean right now. Definitely like them in teasers. But um, excited to watch this one. Yeah, I like New Orleans. Um, again, going back to the last couple of podcasts, is they just present a lot of matchup difficulties. Um, they've brought in a, a quarterback and Taysom Hill, who is a great addition to this team. I mean, it's similar to what Baltimore tries to do with uh, Lamar Jackson, but he actually gets hit and moves people forward. He blocks, he can throw. So he's another wrinkle that you know you have to look into. I just think right now with the Delvin Cook injury, I, he won't play again. They're going to sit him out for another two weeks through the bye. New Orleans just offensively has is is just more trustworthy at this point. There's no question that Kirk Cousins is playing at a high level. Thielen is playing unbelievable right now. 
Um, but they're just, they just don't have the same dynamic offense that New Orleans does. And something you didn't mention is if you watched the playoff game last year between these two teams, New Orleans is not too thrilled about the Hell Mary or whatever down the sideline that went in. This is a payback game for him. This is a personal game for them. You know, and I do think that Minnesota is going to get better as the season goes along, but I think they're going to be exploited in this matchup. Um, injury news, I think that Everson Griffith, is he back this week? He's out. Oh, he's out this week still? So that's going to hurt Minnesota, no question. Um, New Orleans offensively is healthy. They have a very strong relationship between Drew Brees right now. will be playing in the Dome. I know that you're sometimes concerned about his arm, but um, great relationship. No, with no, no concern with his arm. This guy's playing the best game of his career. Yeah, so he's uh, you know he's playing really solid, and um, I think that you know everyone's going to be interested in this game because it is the the prime time game, of course. I, I love you know New Orleans and teasers. I did take them plus two and a half on the opening number, and um, yeah, looking pretty good. All right, cool. Moving on, let's uh, let's get to our best bets of the week, guys. Um, go ahead, Scoop. What do you where are you going with this one? This one's tough for me. There, there's. My, my genuine best bet for, for gambling purposes is a teaser with Houston and Pittsburgh. By the time you guys hear this, Houston will hopefully have already taken care of the uh, first half of that. But for the sake of the Super Contest, um, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh minus eight. Um, this, is, this is a game where it's all about the spot, the health, and uh, I think Pittsburgh rolls. Uh, me, believe it or not, I'm actually uh, leaning a little bit more towards Green Bay on this game. Getting a, lot, getting a nice amount of points. Um, I know the Rams are looking like the powerhouse, one of the best teams in the league, but uh, Rodgers, I have faith in him. Yeah, I like that. Um, not for me, but maybe. Uh, my pick of the week, and I mentioned it earlier, is Detroit. Detroit minus three. This team's too underrated. Seattle is too overrated going on the road. Too many question marks on the defensive side of the ball. Detroit minus three is hands down my number one play on the card this week. All right, well, I think that does it. That wraps it up. Another good, successful session. Uh, hopefully, we guys touched some numbers this weekend. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Lip, Scoop, it's been a pleasure. Yes, sir. See you guys next week. Peace. Thanks.